Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. Remember, check out our friends at Blue Water Climate Control for all your air conditioning needs. We know it's hot outside right now and issues pop up from time to time and Blue Water Climate Control can take care of whatever your issues or whatever your needs are. So give them the buzz. It's Blue Water Climate Control is going to do the right prepare the right way the first time with the right technician, properly trained technician. You can book an appointment online at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com or you can give them a buzz at 865-299-2290. That is Blue Water Climate Control. All right, guys, we'll jump right into the questions here on the Thursday edition of the podcast and uh, start right out of the gate with number one. Surprise, it's a Tony Vitello question. Who is the Tennessee's baseball coach next year? Based on Glenn Gilbo's tweet from uh, the Baton Rouge Advocate, who's been covering LSU for forever, uh, Tony Vitello is not one of the finalists for that job. And if he's not a finalist for that job, I don't see Tony Vitello going anywhere else. I expect Tony Vitello with a raise. I expect Tony Vitello with some facility guarantees. And I expect him to be Tennessee's baseball coach next year if indeed he is not a factor at all at LSU. I think that's pretty cut and dry where that one's at because I don't think Tony has any interest in any other jobs at this point. Uh, so we'll go on to the next one here. What sport does coaching make the most difference? I'll, I'll go with basketball just because smaller number of guys, I think you have, it feels to me like you have more control over the action and I would put football kind of a close second, but more, more so from a play calling standpoint than, than anything else that makes sense. But I, I just think with five guys on the floor and you know 13 total guys on the team, the coach, especially in college basketball, the coach really has a lot of influence on how things go. I think the head coach in basketball, I think Rob is right about that, but I think the staff in football, because they have, more players and they have to have more coaches. So there's more, you have a couple of coaches that, you know, aren't very strong and that can hurt a football program. If you're, if you're more cohesive as a staff and you have quality assistance, I think it helps the football program. So I think wise basketball overall, though, I, I would go football. Yeah, I agree with that totally. Well, and I think the other thing that's, you know, what, what's the definition of coaching? Are, are you talking about schematics? Are you talking about recruiting? Are you talking about player development? Um, you know, in some cases, yeah. in some cases in basketball, Rob, I mean, some guys arrive ready to play, you know, now coaching is involved in managing that, right. And helping them transition. But, but from a development standpoint, you know, guys are coming through at, you know, at all schools and not at all, but at some schools ready for the NBA, they're there for 35 games. Um, then you have other players who come in and, and, you know, the Grant Williams and Admiral Schofields, that's all about development with them. So I, I think coaching is a, is a broad brush, um, you know, in terms of exactly what is, what does he mean, you know, by, by coaching, but I would agree that staff wise, I think the football staff makes more sense um, in terms of being making the most difference because there's so many people involved, but I agree with, with both you guys from a head coaching standpoint, I don't think there's any doubt that basketball is, to, to me, is the one that, that has the most impact. The head coach has the most impact in basketball. I would say that for sure for the 40 minutes of the game. I think he, he's got more ability to control the game. But to your point about what 
what does what does the question mean? I mean, if it's the totality of building a culture, building a program, then you know, I I think that's I still think it's probably basketball because you're and and again, it's just because of numbers. But I, I think that's hugely important of you know setting the standard, getting setting the expectation that guys want to live up to that standard every day and have people be accountable. That's a that's an aspect of coaching that I have developed a lot more a, a lot greater appreciation for over the years. Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's any doubt. All right, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, guys, you talked about percentages being port, being important for how many commits teams get out of visits. Tennessee will get 25 to 30 official visitors roughly for the month of June. Counting silence, how many do you think Tennessee has so far? Do you like our percentages? How do you think that it went? Basically what I'm asking, he says, is were the visits well spent? My, my stance on that's not any different than it was. You're not going to know. Well, I, yeah, that, and that's what I, I, I – when he asked the question on the board earlier in the week, I answered it, that, I answered it the same way I'll answer it here. The same way I answered in the podcast on Monday when we talked, or Tuesday when we talked about this topic, I, I think the date is September one, right? I mean, I, I think you can yes. make better judgment September one. Who are you still involved with that you have a shot at that visited? Who do you, who do you who did you get? Who are you out of it with? You know, um, and who's committed elsewhere? Then we'll ha- then you have a better idea. I mean. I don't think you're wasting visits the way the calendar failed this year with some guys. For example, I, I don't think Austin, I don't think Brewbreaker's coming to Tennessee. I've said that for a while. I, I don't think I don't think that Ryan Brewbreaker's gonna end up at Tennessee. I don't think that's a wasted visit to, to kind of shoot your shot and see what happens. Ultimately, I don't think he's gonna end up being here, but I wouldn't call that a quote wasted visit. Anytime you can get a top 150 player in the country. Um, or even a top 250 player on your campus for an official visit, you do it. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I, we've, you know, the, the Penn State thing, I mean, uh, it's just common sense. I mean, like the dad played there. It just, I mean, it, it just all the dots connect. Um, you know, but I mean, you're right. Um, now, yeah, you get to September 1st, like let's say you got, you got Dylan Sampson right now. Um, you know, you're going to, you know, but you, I think you know, we have a chance to get Cam Miller by September first. Um, you know, Quintel Jones, um, Caleb Perry. You know, you start looking at some of the guys that make some sense as to potentially commit before September first. Now, you know, we'll have this in the war room later. Isaiah Horton not going to officially visit this weekend. Going to unofficially come up Sunday for the barbecue. Um, you know, and so. Yeah, I think he's one you could get before September because I think he's going to do something in the next 30 to 45 days, you know? And so, you know, one look at, you know, some of these kids, they think, you know, get some kids that weren't here technically officially, um, you know, but still get them in the boat at some point uh, before September 1st. Demerits for you because what's in the war room is supposed to stay in the war room and you gave war room notes away before the war room was ever posted. Demerits to you. That, 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 you that get a rule, demerit. That rule went away. You changed that rule. That, that the, 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 the three paragraphs to begin with went away a long time ago. Demerits for you for giving away war room notes early. I'm just kidding. Uh, but again, I, I think that you have to wait and see kind of where things are. Um, as, as I mentioned a, cu- a couple of different times, I, I just think that's the case. And, and Rob, because the, the visit calendar rolled over the way it did, 
you didn't necessarily waste visits. Now, the question on, on the visit was when you look at it back in November, should you have waited and shot your shot your shot with a kid in October, November, as opposed to doing it in June? Th- that's always going to be a debate. But but you're not playing a numbers game right now with the way the calendar falls. No, and I feel like Tennessee some pressure to you know because the staffs knew because they had never met the, any of these kids or had them on campus. That I mean, I think they felt pressure in some instances to, that they had to move fast that they had to take the chance to get them on campus as soon as possible. Yep, that's particularly the higher-rated kids, as Austin mentioned. All right, on to hoops we go. Where do you see Keon, Jaden, and maybe Pons being drafted? Do you think Keon being 6'3 and a half without shoes is going to hurt his stock? His strength and agility numbers have not been posted yet, so that might help. What do you think about their draft stock? I've seen a couple of people say they're not as high on Keon as some others, as, you know, in terms of being a lottery pick. It seems like both Keon and Jaden – are, are seem pretty consistently in the top 20. Haven't seen a whole lot of Pond's name at this point, Rob. Yeah, I think, I think Keon's going in the top 10, and it's an understatement to say that his strength and agility performance tonight at the Combine is going to help him. He set the he set the all-time Combine record tonight with a 40-inch vertical leap, which the previous high was 45.5. And he had a standing vertical of 41.5, so – yeah, I, I think Keon's going to be just fine. And no, I mean, they play basketball with shoes on. With shoes on, he measured six four and three quarters, six five, essentially. Shooting guard, he had a wingspan of six foot seven. So, yeah, his, his measurables, he, he probably helped himself as much these past couple of days as anybody up there. I, I see Jaden in the 20s. Um, I'm not sure that Ease gets drafted. If he does, it'll be the back, back end of the second round, I think. But he will have a chance. Like somebody will bring, bring him in and, for their summer league team. He'll have, he'll have a chance to make a squad as a free agent for sure. Okay. Um, Titus wants to know if we'll do interviews with support staff from various coaches. I enjoy in-depth personal pieces from football to baseball, uh, like a series per sport, something we'll look into. Uh, obviously, there's a bunch of new people involved in terms of the support staff roles in football. Uh, I think everybody's trying to get acclimated. We're, we're trying to get to know uh, the, the coaching staff as well as the support staff stuff. But um, – Obviously, you know, that's always a possibility. We've done those in the past, and, and we'll continue to do those. Um, all right, Volgrad05 wants to know, what is this NIL rollout going to look like? There was a Brock Vandergriff nugget mentioned pre- previously. Is he going to pop up on social media with a supplement ad saying he's powered by GNC and full football gear on seven, on January or July 1st? Are we headed towards Folky signing a deal to become the spokesman for Pals or Kennedy Chandler doing a Sprite ad during – the NCAA tournament for big bucks. If Arch Manning decides to come play at Tennessee because Lexus of Knoxville would pay him X million dollars a year as their spokesman, I can guarantee you that I would be my, buy my next car there and I live in Atlanta. I, I, think, I think, first of all, we have utter chaos with the NIL because there's not going to be a national rule, okay? Because of the Supreme Court ruling and where that's at, there's not going to be any NCAA real national rule there. So you've got complete state-by-state chaos, uh, which is it's going to be a certain – we're going to certainly be an issue uh, that's going to be challenging because some states are going to start July 1, some are starting in January. you, you got all kinds of issues going on there. My biggest question with the NIL stuff that I don't think anybody knows the answer to, and, and, I, and I want your guys' opinion on this, how much money is it realistically? I mean, are, are guys going to have seven-figure deals, or is that is that unrealistic? 
I think that's the biggest unknown out there is you have some people suggesting that players are going to make tens of millions of dollars to play college athletics. And other people say that's the most ludicrous thing early there ever. There's not going to be that kind of money out there and add this. So the question I have is how realistic is the money? And, and I think until we know that exactly what the NIL world looks like remains to be seen. I don't think you're going to see many seven figure guys, but I think Trevor Lawrence could have been a, a guy that had a, was part of a national ad campaign. But I mean, how many, how many of those guys are there every year? I mean, but I, I certainly think he, you know, somebody would have hired, you know, Wendy's or McDonald's or somebody would have hired Trevor Lawrence. He had enough name recognition to hire, you know, high enough Q rating, if you will, just from, you know, being on the national stage for, for three years, like he was. But I, I think those guys will, will be right. I can't, you know, really think of another one recently. I think they'll be really rare in, in basketball because your best players, you know, don't have enough time to, to build up the brand through television unless, you know, a Zot kid and how many kids, how many of those guys come around? Not, not very many. Are those you know, guys, are the basketball kids, I didn't mean to interrupt you, are they just going to sign shoe deals as high school seniors and that's just going to carry through their year in college? I could totally roll, see that. And then roll into the N- NBA. I mean, is that, is that, because always we've always heard about how you know guys are going to certain shoe company schools because they're going to ultimately end up with a shoe with a deal with that shoe company. So they're going to go to a Nike school or they're going to go to an Adidas school or whatever and, and end up there. Are they just going to sign deals, Rob, heading into their senior year or are coming out well, of their senior year of high school and already well, be locked up that way? Well, I think that opens up a whole other line of question. What if, say, Kennedy Chandler? right now signed a deal with Adidas. Could he do that and, and wear Adidas and, and, and play, you know, play for Tennessee? Well, I don't think, I don't think uh, he can. I don't think he can once he signs, but the question is, do they sign beforehand before they sign with a, a college, which if they've already got a deal with Adidas, does that eliminate them from, from being in a Nike school contention? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the I answer to that either. If, well, I mean, the, what I'm saying is, is when you sign an L, a letter of intent. I mean, or when you sign formally sign with a school, does is there language in there where you agree to to wear their you know their athletic brand of gear? Well, or, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be again. Every school is going to be different in terms of what their stuff looks like because we're seeing everybody create different deals. But but obviously, the university is going to have to protect some of their major corporate sponsors. Meaning, if if Tennessee's a Coke school or, or, or even use Alabama because Nick Saban's got a Coke bottle setting up at, at every press conference, right? They're not going to be Pepsi guys. I mean, you know, they, they, those guys aren't going to be able to sign deals with Mountain Dew if you're playing at a school that, that I think has a, I mean, I think you have to have some of that language in there. Otherwise the, the university is going to lose its value of a lot of that corporate sponsorship which is a big, big financial loss. I, I think that's going to be one of the challenges, Austin, when you talk about what's allowed and what's not allowed. And because the NCAA can't, doesn't have the fortitude and the strength to say and, and put any policies in place to say this is how it's going to work, everybody's trying to figure it out on their own individually, right? Yeah, and I mean, like, let's, let's, you know, let's look at it from this way. Like, you just brought up the Coke Mountain Dew thing. Like, like California's got a, a law that allows, you know, like like right now, John Fulkerson 
could, you know, be sponsored by PALS and he could be on a PALS billboard, but he could not, and he could wear an orange polo, but he couldn't wear something with the power T on it. But in California, they have a law that says that they can't, they can't preclude, you know, you can, you, you don't, you know, a kid from wearing, you know, uh, that logo and that the kid can wear the Southern Cal logo, you know, so who's to say that the states across the board don't start doing that. And then John Fulkerson could wear a power T polo in, you know, uh, in, in a pals, you know, billboard or whatever, or in, in your case, the Alabama quarterback or whoever could wear an Alabama, you know, logoed shirt in a Mountain Dew commercial. And how about the, I mean, this, this thing's got so many things that we haven't even thought of, but how about this, Hubber? Say your, your football, your, your football team is up against, you've got your, you're up, you're up against your 25 scholarship limit. What's to prevent, you know, a school arranging for a booster to, you know, give some kid a $500,000 endorsement and, but he, he comes in as a walk-on. So you oh, get more. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think there's, I mean, it's got so many layers and so many <laughs> levels so that, true. I mean, think, that's think what about, Alabama's going to do. I mean, think, think, think about this. Okay. And, and this is something, something smaller level, but we see NFL guys do this, right? Quarterbacks in the NFL get paid to be on a radio show generally every Monday, right? Following the weekend, they get that it's, it's brought to you by somebody and here in, in a way we go. So what, what's to say, Brock Vandergriff doesn't have a weekly spot on whatever radio show in on Bug Baloo's radio show. Right. That's not yeah. the flag. That's not the flagship station, right? It's not the it's not the flagship station that's paying the university seven figures in media rights to do that. And the face of the franchise, the face of the football program, potentially, if Vandergriff wins that job, I'm just using him as an example, is all of a sudden, you know, on, on a different station. And I mean, it's not controlled by a sports information department. Right. I mean, well, you think you think Arch Manning can get a national radio spot if he's a starting quarterback somewhere? You think seriously? I mean, you think Trevor Lawrence could have been on Dan Patrick's show? They could have paid him to be on Dan Patrick's show every Monday to talk about the weekend. I mean, there's so many layers to this that everybody's trying to figure out how to sort through it and and have no idea what it's going to turn into moving forward. I mean, they really don't. Tell you what, Hubs, all you, all you did was just give us great ideas. We'll just start paying. What we'll, hey, we're going to pay Cade Mays to come on and do, uh, you know, a look back at the weekend. We're going to pay Joe Milton or Harrison Bailey or Hendon who the quarterback's going to be. You know, I mean, and what and what's stopping them? I mean, like it's kind of been like you know, sports information, you know, departments across the country have to be cringing at this because at the end of the day, <laughs> that's doable and and being like. You know, it's kind of they, they preach, preach, preach. You know, you know, media doesn't need to be, con- you know, contacting you know players on the team. But you know, I, I think that kind of out the door with all this. I mean, players have all the power. They have all the power. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. All right, let's go to a, a recruiting question. Then I think we got a couple more uh, NIL questions to just to debate and talk about. Who would you say are the main D line and linebacker prospects at Tennessee are pursuing? Not named Walter Nolan and uh tolan give me give me a couple linebackers give me a couple d-line ap they got a couple d-line coming in this weekend right yeah quintel jones is one that you know they're they're trying to get that one across the finish line you know that that one's 
one's important. Uh, linebackers, the Caleb Perry kid from Georgetown, Kentucky, he's kind of an outside backer. Um, you know, uh, you know they're trying to get that one across the finish line. Uh, you know, the Joseph's kids from Georgia uh, is, is, is very important. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, I mean, he's going to officially visit this fall. Um, you know, Tolan, obviously Walter Nolan. I know what he mentioned those two. And then, uh, you know, my, my thing is, like, what are they going to do at corner? Like, uh, you know, Kamari Rogers is off the board. You know, you got a couple of kids coming in this weekend. Um, you know, w- what do they get done at the corner spot? Because I feel like that's kind of where, like, you know, they've got several guys' names on the board, but, you know, I don't know if they really are the leader for anybody. Yeah, I don't know there. Uh, how many official visitors do you expect Tennessee to host this weekend? I think a, at least a dozen, probably. And follow up, yeah. on, uh, follow up on Perry. It sounds like he wants to know is that a guy Tennessee would take right now? You, you believe that they would, correct? I do believe they would. They they had him in camp. They like him in camp. Um, you know, I, I do think they probably would take Caleb Perry, and I think that's you know the number to me is twelve to fourteen. I think as as many as fourteen, as few as twelve. Uh, what's the deal with Geo Davis? Tennessee cooled on him, or has he cooled on the Vols? I don't think he's cooled on the Vols. Um, I, I think more than anything, you know, you just got to take care of everything both on and off the field, you know. And, 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 you know, it just doesn't seem like there's much traction there. That's not to say there won't be. Um, it just does not mean what the whole month of June, he's not been up here once. To me, that says a lot for a kid that, you know, was basically called Tennessee as leader eight weeks ago. Yeah. Um, next question. I've seen multiple sources with, USC ranked higher than Tennessee in the power rankings in the East. I thought I honestly thought that would be one of the easier games this season with them having similar rebuilding circumstances. Where does where do you think Tennessee is with a South Carolina matchup? Um, Rob, I, I like Tennessee in the South Carolina matchup with a first year head coach and, and Shane Beamer. And I like Shane Beamer, first year head coach, trying to get established there. Got a lot of decisions to make on game day he's never made before. There'll be some growing pains there. That's inevitable, right? Yeah, I would have to think so. I mean, I mean, they're kind of a mirror of Tennessee with the new coaching staff, new systems, and you don't know who's, who the quarterback is going to be. They're also a mirror of Tennessee. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I've been looking at some of the previews for, for next year. I think, I think this is right. I think South Carolina brings back four starters on the offensive line, or at least four guys who have started. So, again, another similarity with, with Tennessee. And like the Vols, they were really bad on defense last year. I just feel like, you know, Probably the difference for me is it, I think Tennessee has options at quarterback. I just don't think they – you know, I just think it's muddled. I'm not sure South Carolina has any enviable options. And losing Shy Smith, I, outside of him, they were really pedestrian at the skill spot last year. And I don't see them – I don't see them being very dynamic on offense at all. No, I don't I – don't I just see. don't get worked up about power rankings in July. That's true. I mean, there's so many unknowns because nobody's seen these teams and, and don't know what that's going to look like and who's going to start where and, and all of those things. Um, next one, what are, what's your opinions on the 12-team playoff? Who would it help? Who would it hurt? Uh, so after the Supreme Court ruling on college athletics compensation, does it give any clarity on where college athletics may be heading? I think we dove into that one pretty pretty good i mean I, I think there's all kinds of stuff going on out there somebody else asked a question here about uh morality clauses in, in these contracts you know and 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 are there going to be limitations on things like political ads and stuff like that i, I don't know how that's going to work i don't know how you i mean 
Rob, can you tell somebody you can't do a political ad? I mean, what, what, what's going to, where's the line going to be stopped at? I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. We'll, we'll, you know, again, it's a brave new world that everybody's going to be sorting through with a lot of unknowns at this point, for sure. Um, well, I mean, there, I mean, aren't there like probably some, isn't there probably some language and professional contracts? And I don't know. I'm just asking this that includes morality clause in terms of what, what you can do in terms of personal endorsements. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I, yeah. I, mean I, it, I would imagine there is, because I don't recall ever seeing an active athlete do a political ad or, you know, a, a Tennessee Titan doing an ad for, for a strip club or, or, or something like that. I would have to think that maybe you could write that in to the, to the letter, you know, to, to, to your scholarship commitment. But I don't know that. Yeah. But I think you're, you're right. I mean, you don't see, you don't see those kind of, and here's the thing too, for a student athlete, and part of this is a learning curve for them. There are some ads you want to stay away from because if you do those ads, it means you're not going to get other ads. Right. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta protect yourself and, and, um, not go down some of those roads because if you do, then it's going to put you in, in you know, in a position where you might not get any other endorsement deals and you're going to be very mindful of how you handle yourself in social media and some of those things. I mean, there'll be a lot of the athletes who have to learn a lot about how to manage all this stuff as well as schools trying to figure out what you can do and what you can't do uh, without any question. You, you guys thoughts on the um, 12 team playoff. Is it going to help anybody in particular? Or is it going to hurt anybody in particular? I think the SEC is getting ready to feast if they, if they go to it. Your sixth highest ranked – is this right, the, the proposal? Do I have it right? This, your sixth highest ranked conference champions and then your six highest ranked teams. I mean, how many times have we seen the SEC with, you know, four teams in the top 12 at, at the end of the year? I mean, the loser of the championship game is almost always still going to be the top 12. And then there's going to be somebody who finished, you know, second in, in the East or West that's, that's a top 10 team almost every year. I mean, I think you're – if I'm the SEC, I love it. I think you, you're just getting ready to get a huge check. Yeah, it's hard to see it not benefiting the best league in the in the, in America. Um, you know, it's just – that's the case. I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Austin, which quarterback has the highest ceiling in this offense currently on the roster committed? <laughs> that's the question. I'm just, I, just threw it no one. First. I just threw it to you first. I mean, we haven't seen Joe, and I don't think you can answer it. I know it's going to sound like you're, you're, I'm skating it, but I've not seen Joe Milton throw anything seven on seven. Taven Jackson, I like. I don't know what that's going to look like when he gets here. I mean, I don't know how that transitions. I can't sit here and even give a thought on Caden Salter. He's gotten in trouble twice and has yet to get to the practice field. Um, we've seen Brian Maurer. We know the inconsistencies there. Harrison Bailey's the most consistent guy there. And, and then, I mean, Hendon Hooker put up some decent numbers, consistent numbers at Virginia Tech, but he did not, you know, he, he didn't wow me in the two workouts I saw with him this spring. That's kind of how I handicap it. I don't know who who's the best fit in this offense. You think a guy who can throw it vertically, but he's got to be able to throw it accurately as well. So we'll see what that looks like in August without, I mean, I can't, I can't just sit here and announce Joe or say Joe Milton's going to win this job without having ever see him executing this offense, right? Agreed. I, I ultimately think that you know, this is kind of to Harrison Bailey or Joe Milton. Hendon Hooker, to me, would be the the, the guy that kind of is laying in the weeds with it. You know, everybody's going to forget about him, Brent. You know, um, 
And so I think he, he kind of lays in the weeds. I just don't think Mallard has a chance. And that's just my opinion. You know, I, I just think that, you know, for all the, the, the flash that he can provide, he just has so many head scratching, you know, plays out there that, you know, much like with the last staff, this new staff saw the same this spring. I just think they're going to be hesitant with him. Uh, he'll make one play. It looks like a million bucks. And then the next three are just like, what, what was he looking at there? So, Ultimately, I think this really comes down to Milton versus Harrison Bailey. That's my opinion. All right. Uh, last two questions. Uh, what sport do you enjoy covering more and why? I enjoy covering teams that win because it's fun. It's more fun when they win. <laughs> it's, 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 a funner, it's a funner story to write. Everybody's a lot happier when they win. Right, AP? Um, that's just being honest. I mean, I, I, mean, I like I, – obviously, I, I cover – you know, football more than I cover basketball. I've covered a lot of basketball through the years. I, I think part of covering what you enjoy more is in terms of the people you enjoy dealing with. You know, basketball's fun because I like dealing with Rick Barnes. I mean, I, I enjoy doing That's not a knock on previous guys. But but Rick Barnes is comfortable in who he is, Rob, and he's easy to deal with. That's not saying Josh Heupel's not or anything else, but that's one of the fun things about basketball is because of Rick Barnes and his personality. And they've been, and they've won some games. Well, I, I, I like basketball. I mean, I like, you know, I do, I do a little bit of both, obviously more basketball, but I think when, when things are rolling, when it's good, I think basketball is, is more fun. I mean, the, the tournament time, like from the conference tournament to, you know, if you get to hang around the NCAA tournament for a couple of weeks, that, that's a blast. I mean, you're usually going to some pretty cool cities, seeing some good basketball. And in basketball, you get, you just get to know people so much better. I mean, I, in football, I mean, I, I think part of this is by design. I think they insulate the kids a, a lot more. Um, you know, a lot of times you don't get to know the assistant coaches very well because they never talk. Whereas in basketball, you know, just for example, you know, ten, when Tennessee went, won 31 games and played, I don't know, probably played 38, 39 games that year, you probably interviewed Grant Williams 30 or 40 times. I mean, you just don't – I mean, you get a sense of the kids more. You, I mean, I'm not saying you, you know them, but, you you know, you develop a relationship. You get a sense of their personality. They, they know you. You know them. And I, I don't think you ever get that in football. Yep, I agree with that because of the numbers and, and the way that the, the, the two stored sports are kind of managed and, and the approach that they that they go about there. Um, last question. We'll I just start. think it's fun in general, Hubs. No, oh, I mean, it's, it beats a real job, no question. I, I was just saying, I just think – I mean, none of it's bad. Yeah, I mean, like, I just enjoy dealing with people, man. I enjoy dealing with people, period. And so whether it's, you know, occasionally coming over to a basketball availability, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and talking to some of those guys, uh, talking to Coach Webb and the golf team, talking to, you know, um, you know, obviously any of the new football staff guys. And trust me, everybody, we've had so much change around here. It's a revolving door of meeting and building new relationships. Like, it'd be nice if, if we could keep, you know, a staff for a while and not have to like constantly have to, you know, build, build, build from the ground up. And so um, it's it just, I, I think my job, I, I just enjoy the people, you know, and, and if they win, that makes it even that much better because you get to see, you know, a, a group of people that you see as not coaches, but, but, but regular people, you know, cause you get to know them. And so um, I, I think that's why it's different. Like, you know, how the fans view the staff and maybe how we view the staff, are two different things because we get to know the the person 
in a lot of ways and, and understand like their family ties and all that type of stuff. Um, that makes it, you know, when you see a, a coach you like, you know, have a little bit of success, it makes it more fun for all of us, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. All right, out the door. Uh, Wolval wants to know if we're going to start covering some baseball recruiting. And um, I think Ben's already shown you that uh, he's going to he's going to cover roster management with this baseball team. He, he's uh, already done a story on the pitcher transferring from Missouri. Uh, he had a note out there um, on Wednesday about a, a potential transfer to keep an eye on. And uh, we're certainly going to continue to follow the, this baseball program and I'm going to cover it and that'll include some recruiting stuff and that will recruit include uh, transfers and everything else in there. So yeah, we're going to continue to cover baseball, not just games, not just weekend series. Uh, but, but throughout the year, we'll try to have uh, various baseball nuggets on recruiting roster management, et cetera, et cetera. All right. That's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the VolQuest.com mailbag podcast for Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us and uh, have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.